Retro Spectacle Podcast, Episode 12, Cloning, Our Human Clones and Eventuality, on the Drink 5 Network. have a little shot in front of me here, Dave. Yeah. I don't suppose you have one, too. You do. It's a good song, man. Cheers. I figured Days of the New fits a little bit with the theme of tonight. Sure, so a little Maker's Mark, a little beer, uh, you know, good discussion. It sounds like a, a good Tuesday evening. So what are you drinking over there today? Uh, I have, from Revolution Brewing... It's One's Enough, an Imperial IPA, uh, four hop varieties, Chinook, Crystal, Apollo, and Centennial, from our, uh, maybe our new favorite Chicago brewery. You know, Two Brothers isn't technically in Chicago, so they're still our favorite. But our favorite Chicago brewery might be Revolution. Yeah, I'm with you there. We have some more Revolution beers in the fridge for, in a little bit. Um, But yeah, this is an Imperial IPA, so it's heavy as hell, 11% alcohol. Um, very strong flavor. One of those nice, like, deep gold, almost like an amber color. And uh, I really like it. We had a couple of these the other day. Yeah, it's a super rich beer. Like, I think I had one at the end of the night. It took me, like, an hour or two to drink it. Yeah, if you're not, like, in a drinking mode, then this is a sipping beer. And then uh, we probably have something else uh, later to to uh, imbibe. And uh, we'll yeah, get to that when we get there. Over here. But, uh, but anyway, uh, welcome to the show here. As always, uh, here at drink5.com, you can check out our podcast after the fact at iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, we are basically doing a podcast a week on just whatever topic we feel like. You know, we've done stuff in the past like um, like bacon. What else have we done that's been interesting? Uh, we just did National Parks. That was a really cool... Uh, uh, we did AI and we talked about Douglas Adams one week. So, you know, we like to jump around and just cover the things that we're interested in. Yep, so feel free to tune in anytime. And, of course, we don't mind if you listen to it after the fact. You can touch uh, um, in with us directly at Jason at Drink 5 or Dave at Drink 5. Anyway, tonight the show is about cloning. And specifically, uh, the kind of angle I wanted to go with was our human clones and eventuality. So let's start uh, at the beginning. So cloning seems something uh, right out of a science fiction novel or a movie and it is you know of course there's there's a whole lot of that <laughs> and we've seen a lot of that uh, practice has been around for thousands of years though people were originally cloning stuff uh they were cloning plants and you take cuttings right. from plants and you plant them and they come up actually quicker than seeds and they're genetic sure. copies of the of the original well most famously maybe in your everyday life would be the seedless watermelon there's no way to plant a seedless watermelon without any seeds. Are you saying a, a seedless watermelon has no seeds? I believe that is the case, and I believe they're all they're all planted from clones. <laughs> so, uh, so we've seen that for a very long time. 
But uh, but what we want to get into is uh, some cloning of, of actual animal life and then perhaps humans. Cool. Um, but favorite clone movie or TV series? So we've reviewed Orphan Black here. I think it was last year or the year before the first season when they just started. Yeah, we had talked about it along with Game of Thrones, I think, at one point. And if people listening aren't familiar with Orphan Black, it's this kind of co-venture TV series uh, with BBC America and then a Canadian sci-fi network that has done some good work in the past. And it's basically about this, um, this one woman who finds out that there are other women exactly like her uh, and... There's a lot more involved, but it's really about like moral and ethical implications of human cloning, how they might react to themselves and, and meeting one another, and, and all of that all of that entails. Sure. Um, so other favorite movies that have to do with this kind of stuff. Um, I have to mention Mini-Me from Austin Powers, since he was a clone that kind of didn't go exactly as planned. <laughs> you know? Um I like the movie, um, and, and this isn't necessarily about cloning, but it reminded me of it reminded me of it uh was gattaca sure um and i mean who could forget multiplicity yeah (laughs) (laughs) i like gattaca too and and we just talked about this off the air and that's sort of kind of an offshoot of cloning it being therapeutic cloning where um they're introducing things into the fetus that changes uh or taking things uh in and out of it Uh, i guess in that situation they're sort of practicing selection um, artificially, uh, right, and of course, in this list of, uh, I just searched for movies about clones to get just a quick list to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones comes up, right? Which is not any has nothing to do with cloning. This is a bunch of clones. Well, that is a lot <laughs> to do with cloning. I, they don't talk about like we were able to clone them because of X, Y, and Z. They're just like, yep, they're like an army of clones. Well, the clone troopers actually have kind of a, a like a wide history and a whole bunch of stuff, but that's all um, from the series. Right. They have a like a clone uh, uh, troopers series, and then uh, also from the books. So I guess you're right. I mean, as far as the movie is concerned, they may have mentioned it in passing, and that's about it. Right, um, they don't go into the implications of their being clones and... You know, stuff like that. Right. So anyway, after after the plant cutting, etc., that was probably practiced thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, uh, it took a really long time for technology to catch up to the point where we were able to do more intense and involved experiments. One more thing. I think we forgot the greatest movie about cloning that there was. What's the greatest movie about cloning? Jurassic Park. <laughs> right? It's not about cloning humans, but those... You know, they're making dinosaur clones. No, it's it's a fantastic movie. You're talking yes. about the one from 1994 and not like Jurassic Park 3. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, the first one will probably always be the best. Uh, I, I imagine that this next one will live up to that, but maybe not be better. But we'll it, get into that maybe this summer. There is a lot of hype about that. It's it looks pretty cool. Well, I'll and it's got, it's got everybody's favorite new actor in it, you know. Yes. Um but yeah, as, as technology accelerated, uh, so the scientific community was able to do more and more to clone actual animal life. And one of the first experiments that, that was successful was by this group of, of guys, Briggs and King, in 1952, where they cloned frogs. And they did it via a process called nuclear transfer. And that sounds pretty difficult, right? Nuclear transfer, like there's going to be something very dangerous involved and... Uh, or extremely complicated. It might explode at any moment. <laughs> Exploding frogs. Yeah, who knows, right? Why not? 
so is it frog protection that they need to help protect uh you know to keep from the nuclear explosions it certainly could be <laughs> oh man i just must say uh this one's enough beer revolution's been putting out a bunch of ipas lately and this is definitely the strongest one that they have and sometimes when a brewery will turn up the uh turn it up to 11 if you will like they do here with the 11 percent alcohol uh the flavors get out of proportion. Gotcha. This is very well balanced for one of the incredibly strong IPAs. <laughs> um, well, so they did it via nuclear transfer, and they cloned frogs from those of you just joining us. So these guys in 1952 were able to successfully clone frogs, and nuclear transfer sounds super, super difficult, but it's really simple, actually. Uh, first, they take the nucleus of an egg and remove it, and then they basically just insert the nucleus of a donor cell into that original egg and that's all it is and that's that's how that fundamental process of cloning is done when the egg starts to divide even though that original nucleus is old it just keeps continuing uh to um to split and all those new splits are then you know young um uh organisms yeah and so even though you start with an older copy that becomes a genetically identical copy to the original, except they go through the aging process from the beginning. Um, so that was a pretty crazy thing that happened back then, all the way back in the 50s. And it was actually in the uh, like the 40s and 50s that that term, cloning, was actually I originally um, uh, coined. And it's kind of funny, right? Because you have stuff way back in the day, even before then, where science fiction novels, uh, TV programs have that kind of idea to them, but they didn't really know what they were talking about. It were the things that weren't scientifically feasible back in right. the day. Well, I mean, just think about like uh, th- that happens with most scientific uh, topics when when they're brand new, like okay, something crazy, like the asteroid movies, right? Those are brand new, and they're they think about all these uh, ways. Like, we'll just send Bruce Willis up there with a nuke. That's very like 1950s cloning. Well, all you need to do is send Bruce Willis anywhere with a nuke, and then that and the problem is solved. Saves the day. Play some Aerosmith. Movie over. I have no problem with that. In fact, when Bruce Willis passes away uh, in real life, I'm gonna feel like if there was some kind of asteroid or danger of the Earth being destroyed by by something, um, pro- you know, supernatural or et cetera, yeah. that if we don't have Bruce Willis with us. We may not be able to make it through the night. He's teaching everything he knows to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay, we'll, we'll be long, okay as long as there's somebody there to take up the the baton, <laughs> as it were. Um, so, a little less than thirty years later, after 1952, two interesting things happened within the span of two years. First, this guy David Rorvik, who's an American journalist, released a book called "In His Image: The Cloning of a Man" in 1978. And the book actually claims to follow the development of the first successful human cloning. And it made this huge debate, uh, this ethical debate in the scientific and public forums. And ultimately, most people thought the book was a hoax. And it actually went to trial. All kinds of crazy things happened around it, but it was never actually proven one way or the other. Now, I think we can assume that it was a hoax because the scientific uh, ability of people back in those days although they were able to clone some small animals uh, would not have been to the standard that it is today and it's unlikely that they would have been able to complete such an experiment however the important thing that came from the book was the idea in the public's mind that the cloning of mammals including humans was almost here 
even right. if it wasn't possible then. It, yeah, it it fast forwarded it in pop culture at least. Well, oftentimes you, in science and things like that, you find that there needs to be some kind of a catalyst, even if it's not a real thing, even if it's a book of fiction um, or a movie or someone's just offhanded comments about something that actually spur the development of uh, real technology that takes you to that point. Uh, anything is possible, right? I know that sounds, <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say, but it ends up being true more often than not if you look back in history. Right. I mean, it, maybe to say that in a more specific way, I would say the impossible becomes possible. You know, things that people just assumed never would be possible are now possible. But I suppose there's still, you know... I guess it would be naive then to say, well, there are a list of things that we could say are for sure certainly impossible today. You well, know? you know, there's a guy flying around with a jetpack because he read comic books like The Rocketeer and stuff when he was little. Yeah. And now there are jetpacks. I mean, there are flying cars. It's, there's hoverboards. Well, that hoverboard's kind of a cop-out. <laughs> well, I saw this hoverboard video recently, and this guy broke a Guinness Book of World Records um, record without being redundant, I don't think. Uh, well, the book has many records in it. Yeah, well, it was like 900-something feet over um, an area, and he did it over water. But it was basically just a couple of uh, like quadcopters or octocopters strapped together in some kind of machine rig that he stood on top of. Well, I mean, it has to be, you know, it has to get lift somehow. But don't you assume that a hoverboard is going to be, like, uh, something that, that has lift other than, uh, like, just a, a copter? Right, but what is, like, a helicopter engine if it's not a anti-grav machine? It's anti-grav <laughs> Well, I suppose to people from, let's say, the 1600s, it would be an anti-grav Exactly. Machine. Like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci had, like, a very vague idea that this sort of thing would be possible. But, you know... And it, of course, like when you think of what you want from Back to the Future, you're going to want something that's very neat and compact and uh, isn't as uh, unsightly as a bunch of quadcopters strung together. Well, I think maybe part of the reason that he did it, besides imminent death after you're falling from a, from a height, would be because in Back to the Future, in that very movie, they say that the hoverboards don't operate over water. <laughs> you remember he like takes them over a water area and they all just crash into the, into the water. Ah, smart guy. Which is probably more of a plot device than like a technological viewpoint. <laughs> they really did a lot of uh, technological research on that movie. Yeah. Like only DeLoreans are fit for time travel. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the possible benefits and negatives of uh, human cloning. Uh, so growing new cells for replacement. So what would that entail okay. according to your vision? Okay, say I was in... Um a weird accident at the Battle of Blackwater and lost my nose. The Battle right? of Blackwater? Well, you know. <laughs> anyway, say say you lose a, a finger in a door. You know, They could grow you a finger and then graft it on there. Uh, in theory. Sure. You know, I, I don't know that uh, it would be foolproof. I don't know that you would look at it and feel the same thing. I don't know that they could replace a leg or a foot. Maybe someday. I guess that's one of those things you start small. They already can start to grow some uh, some like skin and things like that. I wonder if you talk to somebody who had um, like artificial legs. And some of these people, you know, especially with their artificial uh, legs, they can run faster than a regular human now. 
uh, like Oscar Pistorius. I wonder if you offered him the chance to have regular legs again or to keep his uh, prosthetic legs. I wonder what he would choose. Are they allowed to run in the Olympics if, if they make it that far? I believe he did compete in the Olympics. Um, I, I'm not sure, but you know he's in jail now anyways, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the technology does exist to, using therapeutic cloning, uh, create these kinds of things. You just have to spur the cells themselves to... Uh, to build the correct component. Yeah. So it's like, here are these these crazy cells that exist uh, specifically to become another kind of cell. So if you can just teach them and program them what to be, they will go about their business of trying to become it. And that is such an interesting thing. And we've seen that in so many different uh, science fiction applications. Um, you know, even starting at like nanobots and stuff, you're like, well, they're going to manufacture this thing. So they just start going about the business of doing it. They but, make the, it kind of makes its own decision. But if you have an actual cell being programmed and being told what cell it's supposed to be, then it's way better than having a machine. It is essentially, you know, organic machines. Sure. So uh, could this cause a divide, do you think, for example, uh, people that have a lot more means... Uh, being able to live longer via replacement organs, things that might cost a lot of money uh, before everyone else has the tech available to them. Uh, there's already whispers of this kind of thing, although I don't want to get into any of that, and I don't necessarily believe in it. But uh, like drugs or, or chemicals or treatments that prolong people's lives mm -hmm. being maybe available to the very rich and famous as opposed to uh, just your everyday Joe. Well, that's a very real thing. You know, there's always going to be that divide. Uh, there's always going to be people who are uh, very poor who are willing to let themselves be exploited uh, for, you know, small monetary gains. Um, in Asia, there are uh, whole towns where, like, it's very common for most of the people in the town to have donated, you know, quote-unquote donated their kidneys for money. Huh. And people from the West come, uh, you know, they get the right kind of match, and then they get the kidney uh, that they need, you know, because they're on, they can't, you can't wait in the United States sometimes because there's a 10 year waiting list to get an organ. Sure. And that's where something like this would come in very handy. You could in one fell swoop, alleviate, alleviate all the, um, you know, all of these people who are sort of forced into selling their organs won't have to do that anymore. And all these people who are making these decisions because they're, you know, they have two years to live and they're on a 10 year waiting list. Now we'll be able to have an organ grown for them. Yes. Very true. So I, I think it's going to work both ways. It's going to help some things, and of course it's going to divide other things because it is going to be fantastically expensive. But that's how new technology works. Right. Uh, cloning entire humans with the same genetic makeup, they would be able to act as donors where the organs wouldn't be rejected very easily, if at all. So you could clone you, for example, and then in 50 years, if you started having heart problems or something like that, then you could actually just go in and get the replacement heart and be perfectly uh, happy. Yeah, I'm not so hot on that idea. Well, whether or not it's doing it's it. ethically good, it's right. a thing that could be advantageous. Sure. Plus, you don't have to necessarily clone the entire uh, the entire human. Right. I mean, it, it would be great if uh, you take some samples when I'm healthy, so that you can create cloned parts. But I mean, when when people talk about this and like sort of the uh, the horror show Twilight Zone style is that you have a, a cold drawer with a clone of you that just lays in there waiting for it to be opened and to get a spare part off of it. Right. 
But it might not necessarily be something like a hand or, or like an eye. It could be like bone marrow or, you know, like something like just that. A, maybe you just need a blood transfusion. Right. You know, you know that your clone is going to be a perfect, perfect match for you. Exactly. Um, well, obviously, introducing some, some bad things into the mix here. Uh, allowing couples that are unable to have children reproduce and create their own genetic offspring, uh, which they can sort of do, but not, not quite right now. Okay. Uh, for example, you can well, do... Well, can't they do with surrogates now? Well, you, you could, but that's not the same experience for the, for the couple, for example, uh, being that she wouldn't actually be carrying the child. In fact, there are a lot of experiences with surrogates where, like, either the surrogate wants to keep the child, or the parents feel alienated and, and not connected to the child any longer because well, that's of another that thing where uh, the West is starting to just pay poor third world people to do that for them. Sure, I watch a lot of Vice. Okay, well, <laughs> and, and that's something that, that happens here in America too. Certainly, there are a lot of surrogates. It's legal to pay for a surrogate here. Yeah. But that's not what ultimately someone that has enough money would want. Of course, you want to be able to do it yourself. Although, maybe with someone with so much money is like, oh, I don't need to deal with nine months of being pregnant. I just want the kid. Right, but they can already do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then negatives, which there are quite a few of. So uh, if you actually have these clones and they are people that are actually intelligent, if they are just like you and not like some... Um, uh, headless corpse that lives in a cold drawer or something. Right. Then, how would we treat them? So, would they have the same rights and privileges? Uh, they are they are technically not uh, like you know full body naturalized born in America citizens according to our current processes. I don't see why they wouldn't be. They aren't born in a natural uh, regular way. Okay, so in what aren't they carried to term? by a surrogate wouldn't a human be carried to term by a surrogate by a, a woman well it it could be or it, it could not be i mean if you have these things in there so they would create an artificial womb as well to carry the baby you certainly could okay so i mean if it was a sir if it was a um if it was carried by a woman and given birth in a more or less natural way um, the actual birthing process, that is, then the only difference that we're talking about is where the source came from. Right, and, and you understand how that makes a difference, though. Because although things might start off like, uh, well, this is interesting, these people are, are just people, even though they might sort of look like someone else or, or be an exact genetic duplicate, right. they're not going to turn out exactly like that person because... Of the way that people have... Uh, well, they won't have been born at the exact same time. That's well, for it's, sure. it's all of the relationships and, and all of the upbringing and all of the, the influx of, uh, of inspirations. and It's impossible to recreate everything after birth. But regardless of that, they are still technically a copy of someone else who's an original. So I do think that if it, it does become something that's very widespread um, or if it becomes something that's like rich and famous people do or something like that... Then, then ultimately there will be a distinction between this original and the clone of the original. And if there's a distinction between them, then that distinction will probably be that one is, uh, is inherently more something by being the original. Because being a copy of something is always slightly worse than being the original thing. If you can create a perfect digital copy, then I think that um, you know it, they are, for all intents and purposes... No different from you and I. I understand that, but there's still a copy of an original. So if you had a copy of yourself, 
wandering around out there, you would still be the original one. If it wasn't for you... I would be much older, of course. It'd be very easy to tell it apart. Well, not necessarily. I don't want to get into fictional technology that we don't have yet. Uh, but what I'm saying is, you would still be the original. Without you, they couldn't exist, which makes you inherently more valuable than them. Well, yes, but once they are created, then they can make more of me without me anymore. Right. So once you make a copy of yourself, you instantly lose that which made you special and original but now we're talking about multiplicity well i mean <laughs> the original loses it just as much there is no difference between the two okay there needs to be okay going back to call back from one of our other episodes there needs to be a touring test to figure out to be able to tell it you know and, and if there is no just common sense way of being able to tell them apart then i don't see why you know it would be right to treat them as different. Well, they're not a computer. I suppose the test would be I, to, just saying to it, determine if, if this person has a soul, as it were. Sure. A, a Turing test for the soul or some sort of way, all I'm saying is to run a simple test and tell them apart. Not just uh, you know a DNA test or something like that, which may not even uh, you know, no, tell it, them apart. No, it shouldn't tell them apart. Exactly. But it would, it would certainly be very, very strange and foreboding if... For example, we, we ended up cloning a human in five or ten years. It becomes public knowledge. This this uh, human clone grows up and uh, will probably be like witnessed and looked in upon by all sorts of people, whether or not it's public knowledge. Uh, right. Still be sort of a lab experiment. Which, Do you suspect that maybe this has happened already in secret? Well, we'll get to that. Okay, cool. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you must expect for, for this thing, uh, which could very well just be a regular human like both of us, uh, it wouldn't have a regular upbringing. It wouldn't be just like raised in a school unless, you know, that, that is the experiment. And well, it was just think given about, to somebody to... Think about the example that Orphan Black has given us in terms of raising clones in a scientific setting where you're monitoring it. Uh, so they, they basically have two groups. They have a control group that's raised like normal kids. And then they have this other group that's raised like... Uh, they're more like in a lab. Yeah, I suppose if it's in a scientific experiment, then they it would has to both, be that way. I would think. Yeah. Uh, but what I was getting to, I guess, is that wouldn't it be interesting if 5, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, they they reveal to us that there are these clones, or they don't reveal. and, uh, and Maybe I'm a clone, Dave. And you find out that that the clones are missing like the, the consciousness and uh, spirit of humanity. Wouldn't that be interesting? Sure, I mean that would be a a big scientific breakthrough. It would be scientifically proving that there's like a soul, like you could have a physical representation of it. You could then, you know, sort of try and tell what was different between the two people. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm going to use this as the basis of a, a science fiction novel that I'm about to write now. Excellent. <laughs> Although I looking around after the show, there probably are some like that. But if there aren't, I'm writing one because that seems like a very interesting novel that would probably be, have been written by Robert J. Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's familiar with that author. Um, so, uh, decline of genetic variation. Genetic diversity is one of the things that's very important to us. So, it's allowed animals and humans to survive as long as we have, uh, fostering adaptation and evolution 
preventing widespread diseases because of all the differences uh, between us uh, and uh, things that we are immune or not immune to, etc. Uh, so if, if you do end up going this route, this sort of Gattaca uh, cloning kind of develop the, per the perfect person route, you're going to run into that kind of problem, which is that these regular humans that maybe looked weak from a distance, uh, that's actually the very trait that, that allowed them to survive this long. Yeah. Uh, and then we talked earlier about uh, about growing new cells for replacement. And so, of course, that's a great thing. And I think I agree with you that it would start off as rather expensive. You know, something that maybe only those people that are financially able to do so can get new hearts or livers or whatever it may be. Um, but then you worry about this whole black market kind of thing, which already exists uh, right now with, with the regular market and you just mentioned also you said some city in china um i believe it's either in like india or in um, bangladesh i'm not sure it's somewhere in more like places like south that, asia yeah where people are sort of selling themselves because they have to um or or you know that you hear the old story about waking up in a bathtub with ice cubes and right i mean in in like in the the report they did on vice about the kidneys they basically negotiated with a potential donor saying you know i will give you eight thousand dollars for your kidney yeah and then they give the uh surgeon x amount of money and you know the surgeon arranges a doctor and everything right and the funny thing is it happens quicker and it's far cheaper than in some some western countries sure now obviously even in countries with like uh health for everybody like it doesn't help necessarily with organ availability but i know just in the united states the organ waiting list for a kidney that is is about 10 years and a lot of people with organ trouble don't have 10 years to wait yeah well the uh when the technology for this particular kind of thing is developed to the point where it costs less to manufacture an organ like this than it does to pay someone off for it then there will probably be labs developed that create this kind of stuff and then sell it uh, on the market and sort of sidestep the whole actual human availability. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is that uh, people are so poor and desperate that they're willing to sell their kidney. But that's a different show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you keep watching Vice, man. I mean, you're just going to be so depressed. I don't know what you're going to do. It is a it is a half-hour slice of, like, <laughs> here is some reality with depression on top. Uh, but, yeah, so th this is kind of something that, that probably would happen regardless uh, as long as there are people that want to make a profit uh, and have a hand in these kind of markets and this kind of technology, then it will happen as long as it uh, is feasible uh, for them to make a profit from right. it. Right. Black markets and crime and there being a gap between the rich and the poor is something that has always happened in civilization and probably will always happen in civilization. And then the last thing being the, the low level of fertility currently uh, so Dolly, who's the famous sheep that was cloned in 1996, took 277 eggs to produce, 30 initially started to divide, and nine actually induced pregnancy, and only one survived to term. I think the name was Nash. <laughs> Dolly was the original sheep that was cloned then. Sorry? I thought Dolly was the name of the sheep that, uh, like, the cloned sheep. Uh, no, I, I'm pretty so sure. Dolly was the original? I don't know. We'll have to look that up. <laughs> but you, you can tell us. Dolly might be the original. 
something that's named Nash in my notes here. I'm not exactly sure what that <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, so these problems have somewhat been solved, but there are some mammals that are more difficult. Uh, there are certainly some uh, technological jumps that we have not made yet publicly, uh, but we know that we can, uh, for example... What? What? This has got to be someone messing with Wikipedia. What do you mean? Okay, so Dolly is the name of the uh, sheep that was cloned. Or, I'm sorry, the, the name of the, the cloned sheep, the, the, the results of the science, of uh-huh. the experiment. Yep. So they took the cell to clone from the mammary gland uh, of a healthy, um, <clears throat> you know, they could say that they could take part of it from a specific, from anywhere in the body and reproduce a whole individual, right? So regarding the name, uh, they said Dolly is derived from a mammary gland cell, and we couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton's. That's probably true. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the scientist would have put it that way. A man, scientist. It, it feels like something that someone would just goof into a Wikipedia, but there is a citation. Well, a scientist that that you know was able to clone a sheep probably doesn't have that much of a social life or tact. <laughs> and, and I don't have any problem with him naming it after Dolly Parton. That's hilarious. So that's that's what that means. Then I get it. So it's short for Nashville, then, right? Oh yeah, could be Dolly Nash. Interesting. So oh uh, wow, Dolly gave birth to several uh, little lambs. Well, I mean, they're just regular genetically. Uh, um, uh, what's the word, uh, genetic duplicates of whatever it is that they're cloning. So there's really no reason why they shouldn't be healthy unless something gets messed up or it's not a sterile operation or et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, second thing was that in 1980, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that live human-made organisms are patentable material, uh, which is kind of a scary ruling. They did later clarify that in 2013. Remember, it wasn't until 1990 that like the Human Genome Project occurred and started developing itself. That's uh, when it like, just started, right? Yeah. Uh, in 2013, the Supreme Court issued a ruling that bans the patenting of naturally occurring genes, which disallows companies f- from patenting like uh, the gene that causes uh, whatever, uh, uh, Down syndrome. Okay. Or something. But it does allow for edited or artificially created DNA to be patented. So, so that means that when they create a new strand of corn through cloning, that they can then patent that, right? Uh, yeah, but this is this is live human-made organisms. Oh, this is only regarding that. I mean, uh, perhaps it's the same. I'm not sure, but I, I'm I'm certain that uh, because genomes and stuff are, I, I think. Well, just... that's DNA. Yes. The, the DNA, it was bans the patenting of naturally occurring genes. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think Okay, that, yeah, this case specifically was about human genes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would apply. I think they would have separate cases about the corn and the, the baby. Okay, so when someone <laughs> creates the gene for x-ray vision, then they get to keep that. Or edits uh, an existing <laughs> gene to become better or to eliminate a defect. So you could edit a gene, for example... Um, in order to create some kind of a, of like a, a shot or a treatment or, or something like that, a therapy to cure something. And then, of course, you're able to patent that, sell it for X number of years. 
um, which is important. It's an important factor of business, uh-huh. but it is also kind of a scary thing. So how will companies start to monetize our DNA uh, and or man-made synthetic DNA? Uh, we haven't really gotten to that part of Orphan Black yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they were they were trying. Well, I shouldn't be giving out spoilers or anything. So, uh, any company can do research on this kind of stuff right now. Um, there was a moratorium on like stem cell research that was proposed by and put through by Bill Clinton back in the '90s for five years, probably more so that he could just not have anybody asking him questions about it for a couple of years. Right. It's hold off, everybody. Let's look into what's going on here first. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But right now, I mean, as far as research goes into DNA, the Human Genome Project, I believe that's either finished or nearly finished. They have mapped the human genome. They're mapping the genomes of all kinds of species, you know, plants and animals, sure. insects. But now that we have the whole genome, now that we're able to look deeper and more closely uh, into that kind of stuff, we can pinpoint things that we weren't previously able to. In fact, it only costs about $250 now for the basic genetic test for you to take it in the hospital. Um, so you can easily, with you know a, just a percentage of your weekly paycheck, uh, go to the hospital and find out if you were to have a child, like what are your predispositions, uh, what are his predispositions, huh. you know, all that what stuff. What are, are you predisposed to cancer yourself yeah all of that that. everything that is that we know is available to you now some of those tests do cost more than that but i'm just saying the base level tests are now sort of uh only as expensive as um as like a really cheap home media pc (laughs) definitely within everybody's grasp interesting interesting comparison yeah like you know, something that you don't need. Also, will provide you hours and hours of entertainment. Well, I'm I'm, I'm not sure the genetic <laughs> markup test would provide me hours of entertainment. And there's something to be said about not wanting to know. But yeah, I, exactly. But I, I do think in the future that everyone will have it automatically, so they'll already know. It'll it'll be available. Why? I mean, you know, if there may be people who still refuse to look at it. Well, I mean, something. Who knows? There are people in the world who don't use technology. That's fine. Well, at, at some point, people are going to consider it irresponsible for right. people to not uh, do that before they have children. Yeah, because you go it to the hospital. It would be just like not going to the doctor when you're pregnant. Because you go to the hospital and you have a child and, and they're like, well, we'll just uh, you know, charge you the extra $15 is routine for right. like, a printout that says exactly what was going to be, what percentages your <clears throat> child may or, not be, may or may not be affected by all these things. Right. So, I mean, why would you not want to know that you have to be watching out for diabetes? Sure. I mean, <laughs> who would not want to know that? I don't understand that kind of stuff. You know, I guess there are those people that don't go to the hospital, don't get treatments because they think that, you know, some otherworldly power will take care of it. It's probably those people that wouldn't want the test. Um, right. And, I mean... I don't know. I mean, people who uh, don't take their kids to doctors and stuff like that are looked at in sort of a, why are you endangering that child? Well, you know, natural selection. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't mean to be so uh, curt, but, but yeah, I mean, you talk about these people that don't, um, that don't give their children the, uh, uh, what am I thinking, like flu shots and... Well... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to go there necessarily. I, I was going to say it would be a little bit more extreme because I, I still think the people who are anti-vaxxers know that they need to go to the doctor when they're sick. 
you but know, how is it different from having a technology that that could do great good, but then not using it at all? Right. At some point, people will say like it's irresponsible for you to not use this. You know, it, this may be hundreds of years in the future. You know, when it comes to uh, pre-screening for conditions in unborn babies and stuff like that. I really doubt that takes much longer than 20, 30 years. I'm saying, well, and then what do you do? I mean, that's like a huge question. About what, what happens if there is a problem with the baby? Well, these are all... Oh, your child has Down syndrome. These are all ethical questions. I mean, you can figure that out right now. You can figure yes, that out Yeah, right I know. Now. You can. And some people, if they figure it out early enough, would choose to abort the fetus. Right, but I, I mean... W- Will people always be given the choice to not do that? Or maybe someday it'll be so, it'll be considered so uh, barbaric to give birth to that child that it'll be against the law to do it. Well, you know, they're not, they're not raising them or taking them to term, giving birth to them and throwing them off a cliff. But, but of course, that's true. I mean, they're not leaving them in the forest. (laughs) So, yeah, to, to create this civilization. I guess if you're just going to leave it in the forest, you might as well have an abortion. To create this civilization uh, of, like, Down syndrome children in the forest <laughs> living with the wolves who will one day take over your village. The wolves will just eat them. <laughs> that's an episode of Game of Thrones you guys haven't seen yet. Ooh, spoilers. No, uh, that's fine. There, there, there aren't that's n- actually book six. Th- there are only three diseases in Game of Thrones, it's obvious. The- <laughs> there's grayscale, <laughs> there's uh, turning into an ice zombie, mm-hmm. and then there's being poisoned by a Dornish dagger. Yeah, besides that, in physical violence, there's no other way to die. Right. Except for the one person who gets to die of old age. Ah, yes. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Uh, so so we can see that there will probably be a lot of ways for companies to monetize this kind of stuff, especially if public opinion turns to the point where everybody wants to know or feels like they need to know or are pressured to the point where they do need to know, and that just becomes a fact of life. If there's money to be made, then advertising agencies will figure out a way to convince the public that they need it. And it's not just about that. I mean, we're talking about uh, a shot that you could give your your kid that would give him blonde hair, even after he's born. Really? Could it happen like that? Sure. Oh, that's it's, weird. It's therapeutic. Uh, um, so could, I mean, I wonder if they could get so good as to do that in adults, too. Absolutely. When you do like, gene, I, I want to go get a treatment to change my eye color for the weekend. When you do gene therapy, I mean, you're introducing uh, stem cells that are programmed to do a certain thing into a certain part of the body where they know what they're doing. So the problem then is if you start injecting things in the wrong places. So let's say you have these stem cells that are like they're going to to grow an arm, and you just like inject it into your belly button. I mean, well, I guess you'll have an arm there, then, <laughs> right? Is that what happens? I don't know. Uh, but this is the part where, where humans start being super fucked up and, and, you know, we already see this body modification and things like that. Can you imagine like seeing people that actually have eight arms because they've decided that that's what they want to do? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, given the opportunity, people will totally do that. And who's to say that they can't if it's available and it's, you know, something that they can get their hands on and, and look at what technology we can do right now. You know, people are giving themselves Botox injections. It's in their freedom, house. man. So yeah, it's freedom. Freedom isn't free, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it costs about an arm and a leg. So let's jump. Ba-ching. Let's jump ship. Go a little bit more uh, uh, light topic, I guess. I mean, this whole thing is kind of heavy. This isn't going to be yeah. But uh, so pet it's cl- fun though. Pet cloning is already here. So cat. Or dog get run over by a car. If you have the money, you can already have a genetic copy of your. Dead I know someone pet who has a clone dog. 
Do you? Yeah. So one lab says, and not not Labrador, but I mean an actual lab that that does <laughs> a laboratory. Yeah, one lab says woof. No, uh, the, one <laughs> laboratory. One laboratory that's considered uh, kind of up on the on the high end of this kind of stuff says we have never failed in cloning a specific dog regardless of its size or breed. So now they're not saying that you know it might not take a little while. I'm sorry that it might take a little while to be, get it right because perhaps they do have to go through like a, a series of different. Um, um, well, like with Dolly, it took 277 eggs that you started, and 30 were fertilized, and 40, you know. Yeah, but keep in mind, 1996 is 20 years ago. And 19, if you're going to be specific. <laughs> yes. No, I, I get it. Like, of course, it gets better, but they may not. They're not going to get it the first try. No, it may take 10 tries. Yeah, I mean, not 277. Whatever is happening that's wrong, we eventually find it. We eventually. You know, pare it down into a, a more exact and more exact process. So right now, I don't, I don't have exact numbers. It seems like they do a pretty good job where you can get to the point where you could clone your dead pet for $100,000. And that's the price that they're currently asking. Now, they, they do sell... I, is it really? Well, they sell cloned animals, but they cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So if you know someone that actually has a cloned animal, I mean, maybe it's something... I didn't, I, the people, what I thought... I knew wouldn't that, that person wouldn't spend a hundred thousand dollars on a dog. Well, tell me this cloned animal story. I just you know just like a, an acquaintance who I thought had uh, cloned their dog that they had loved and died. Did he just say that like he had a cloned dog? I heard that they were going to do it. Uh, okay. Well, from what I've heard, this has only happened uh, a very small amount of times, and I would be very surprised. Myfriendagain.com. <laughs> oh, my God. I would be very surprised if they were actually able to have done this, because in, in many places, it's not illegal necessarily, but it's sort of looked upon as something that, that isn't, shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Um, so there have been some. The first one was produced in 2004. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, it looks like the first commercial cloned pet was a cat named Little Nicky. Uh, a North Texas woman wanted him cloned. It cost $50,000. Yeah. So uh, maybe you could get one for five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. But certainly, you can't go to the store and buy a $500 cloned puppy. That's not <laughs> You can't. Yeah, you can't call down to your local lab and get that. So uh, whether or not your friend is, is telling the truth here is sort of besides the point. But it, it does cost money, and it's very, um, it's, it's very rare that you would come across one. Uh, but some people, you know, they want that kind of thing. Like uh, say you have a dog that, that is amazing or it has specific coloring or it, it has something unique or weird about well, it. Well, there, there's a famous case of this that happened in Texas. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of Chance and Second Chance? The, Br the Brahmin bull? I did hear about that. Okay, so Chance was kind of a celebrity bull. Like He introduced George Bush at the Republican convention before he was elected president, and he would go out at like games and stuff. Anyways, <laughs> Chance died, and in 1999, uh, right after Dolly was born, um, a Texas A&M University cloned uh, this Brahmin bull, uh, and it's called Second Chance. And this is way bigger. Like, this is an enormous cow with giant horns. You know, this is a much more uh, wild animal than, like, the feral little sheep. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, uh, This American Life did a really good uh, story when they had a show on Showtime about this. And uh, the, the owners of Second Chance were just so convinced that it was the same animal. Oh, he likes to go and sit in the same spot. He does this, he does that. And then... 
it turns out second chance uh like gored the guy like twice and almost killed him <laughs> and they still kept insisting that oh no he's the same animal he still loves us but like it's it's not the same and the, the proof is right there they just don't want to believe it well there was also a bull exactly it's like a more wild animal and you know uh, that is but i know, understand what you're saying the it's, original animal probably wasn't going to do that th- these are the stories that you that you hear about like like even you could extend it to humans then like your wife dies, you have your wife cloned, and somehow uh, maybe you can you can raise her back up to that age or whatever that, that she was at. But why would the clone want that? Why would a, why would a clone that's completely different from the original suddenly want to be like the an clone old never woman who's decisions. married to you? Right. It would like kill you and try to do something like it. It would try to get away. Probably. It has nothing to do with you. Right. You are imposing your will on. I it. think you're slowly writing a sci-fi story. Here. Oh, I'm loving these ideas. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, no, but but I'm sure that these are maybe if they're not tropes, they're things that have been used quite a few times. Um, so uh, so they currently have orders and a waiting list. They've made two hundred something dogs, uh, and, and that's about it. Um, they cost about a hundred thousand dollars, and we're going to see that price drop. We're going to see more of these companies come in. Uh, I guess in California, there was some kind of legislation that tried to be passed a couple of years ago, banning the uh, uh, ability for a company to do this, uh, but it didn't pass. And we're probably going to see that happen all over the place. Uh, the last stats I saw said something about 60% of the American public was not for uh, you know, these kinds of companies that could clone uh, an animal or a pet uh, becoming more widespread. For whatever reason, uh, whether it be fear or or just um, you know not not wanting to take advantage of people in that way, because you said they're not the same animal, although they might be genetically identical, right. it doesn't make them love you. As you said, they grow up in different environments. You know, they are not the same. Now, people could be fooled because if they grow up in the same environment, then they'll probably come out nearly identical. Sure. I mean, but when you look at identical clone or I'm sorry, identical twins in humans naturally occurring, which are genetic clones, they still are a little bit different and they grow up with almost the exact same influences and environment. You know, even with almost as much control to be the same as you can, they're going to be the same. And if you're taking an already existing adult specimen and cloning it, then there's no way, unless you could somehow accelerate the aging process, which I think, you know, okay, we talked about impossible earlier. It certainly seems like that would be impossible, but who knows? Well, if you can grow If you can just reprogram all this stuff, then yeah. You would basically just tell it, I want you to be growing, you know, at this speed until this point and then stop and then it... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's not like if they're going to grow a heart, you're going to wait... 20 years to have the full grown one. Well, when you unlock the complete genetic code and you're able to program stem cells to just manufacture organic matter, then you have more problems on your hands than, uh, you know, what do we do with this pet that's not the same, even though I think it is. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about little tiny things, but uh, I guess one step at a time, right? So you're right. A good point about the twins. And and of course, twins grow up to be different because they have different experiences and different friends. Uh, for the most part, but they are uh, identical DNA if they're identical twins, which kind of makes them clones. Uh, it's just that, in fact, it, they are clones. They it's are. just naturally occurring as opposed to artificially. Correct. Um, but, uh, you know, being able to just recreate that naturally occurring phenomenon, uh, one of the things that does give me hope that this uh, could 
be something that the public ends up being okay with is the fact that it is a naturally occurring phenomenon that we're trying to duplicate rather than one that is not occurring naturally in nature that we hope to construct. Well, there's all kinds of things that didn't occur naturally that we have constructed that we live with now. You know, corn is a perfect example of that. Is that a Vice episode that you've seen? No, I'm just saying <laughs> corn dating back to maize, you know, thousands of years ago, 10,000 years ago, they planted, a, a you know, this thing and they selectively bred it over the years and eventually they got corn. Right. They found if you grow these two plants together, you know, this plant next to this plant, they cross-pollinate, they create a new plant, uh, and that plant, uh, you select it and cross-pollinate with something else, it becomes corn. But that's still naturally occurring. Um, I mean, is it? It takes humans to plant things next to each other and select it. Like, yes, I suppose randomly that could have occurred, but... The reason we have what we have today is because humans uh, did this on purpose. Well, yeah, but but in that in that role, we're just playing God over that particular uh, uh, process. But it's still it's still natural and organic. Why is that any different? There, you know, a, a farmer ten thousand years ago, his laboratory was his farm when he did all this stuff. Now we do it in a you know a controlled, clean environment. I I don't disagree. I don't That's see the said. difference we, though. But I, I didn't say there was a difference. It's they're all naturally inorganic, because like we just talked okay. about. Okay, okay, I didn't realize you meant that they were identical all... twins. You know, are something that actually happens. So sure. we're only trying to reproduce something that actually happens. If we if we tried to create like a dragon, then there would be some issues. Well, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> what I was saying is that we do uh, create things that are that are not natural, so to speak, through what appears to be natural processes. Well, I, we could endlessly talk about this. I mean, I would argue that it still is natural. You know, natural selection or whatever may say that there is not the uh, variables of a human. But it does take into account the variables of the earth and the, and the other animals around them and everything else, right? So why aren't we considered to just be the other animals around them? It's because of uh, consciousness or, or something that, that makes us raised up a little higher, I suppose, in, in our minds? Yeah, we all want to think that we're more special than we should be. But but if we don't <laughs> if we don't think that, then we are just participating in natural selection, and so is everything else. I suppose. I mean, it, uh, we won't know this answer until we clone, uh, you know, not just one human, but a lot of them. And who knows if we ever actually will, or if we'll ever actually be able to get it right. Well, quickly about another topic: cloned food not available for public consumption yet. But meat, eggs, and milk from cloned animals were recently declared safe by the FDA. I believe this was last year or earlier this year. Uh, and they have yet to decide whether these products that come from cloned animals should be labeled as safe. Now, I think they will end up saying that because there have been... Well, they're not going to be labeled as unsafe. Well, however many studies that have been done, and there have been a lot of them, have all pointed to the fact that there is no difference. There is no difference whatsoever between this meat... And some other meat, just because it was cloned, it still grows up from the same cells. It's uh, still a cow. It's still a cow. It's right. not different. It still tastes the same. Right. So would you want your uh, hamburgers to say cloned or not cloned? Well, first of all, it's so expensive to clone animals still that it wouldn't be a viable option to be right. like delivering those meats to the store. But I don't care if I'm eating cloned meat. I really Well, don't. I don't think that that would be how they would create the cloned meat anyways. You know, it's silly to uh, create 
an animal and then pay to raise the animal and then harvest the meat when you could in a lab setting program them stem cells and just create a steak well there's there's different ways to, to do it yes but but so far the uh, the stuff that they have done in that way has not been the same as the stuff that they've done in the other way well sure but you know we're talking about growing kidneys and growing hearts like why can't you grow a tenderloin no it's a it's a technology. Right. But in, in that same respect, I mean, wouldn't it be better to have this naturally occurring animal that then like runs around and eats grass? And if you don't do that, then the tenderloin may grow, but it's not going to taste like a sheep that's lived for eight years and eats grass and, you know, lives in an environment. It's not going to taste anything like the meat we're normally used to tasting because mm. it will not have lived through that. It will not have uh, done all the things that it's supposed to do. Yeah, I mean... It is literally a product of all the things that it's been eating. But if they take the best tasting Kobe beef and use that as their source for cloning, then wouldn't... I don't think so, because I don't think it'll reproduce the, like, the fat and the marbling. and the, That's like a natural thing that happens to an animal. Uh, okay. I mean, I would think that at some point that they would be... That they would figure that part out too. Well, perhaps in the future. I'm saying right now, I've, I've seen some documentaries where they actually have started to try to do that, to like make a steak. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't taste good. Okay. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. And you know, ultimately, if you have meat in a store, it needs to taste good. Well, yeah. I mean, people are not going to take, pe- people will only accept eating it if it, if you can tell just by tasting it, then of course. The labeling thing is moot. Well, I'm waiting for, uh, you know, like the the cheddar uh, cow, you know, where they're they're growing a cow that has like cheddar chunks inside of it already with like bacon. It's like predisposed to be making cheddar cheese. No, look, if if you can if you can take uh, this um, this gene therapy, this therapeutic cloning, uh, stem cells, whatever you want to call it, or or refer to it as. And create a steak with marbling and fat pockets and lean meat and fat meat, then you might as well be able to create one that has like cheddar and bacon pockets within it. Because yeah. those are all just, you know, the naturally occurring living matter, which if you're telling something to create and you have that much control over exactly what it can create, then. Well, I don't think that you would be able to take a, you know, take the source material from a cow. And generate bacon and cheddar cheese. No, you would take the source material from the from cheddar the cheese and, and the, the bacon. Well, I mean, then you're just, you know, then you're just taking a piece of meat and injecting it with cheese. Well, yes, you are. I, but you can do that already, Dave. You it's can, called uh, cheese stuffed hot dog. But you can buy it like that from the store, wrapped up in a beef tenderloin. <laughs> and all you have to do is put it on the grill. You can go to Costco and get something close to that, I'm sure. Well, uh Point being, you know, we're getting fairly close enough anyway to like replicators and and stuff like that. We can do 3D printing on a molecular level now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, none of this stuff is going to translate in the next five years to going out and buying uh, ground beef for 30 cents a pound. But it is something that could happen in the future. So that's cool. We need molecular sized 3D printers. Yeah. And the really cool thing for me is that... um, they really is no risk, according to all the studies that have, have been uh, done, to food safety. Uh, no irregularities in cloned animals, no uh, difference in, in taste or, or texture or anything like that. So tell me, could they clone a beer? What? <laughs> Eventually. I mean, since all it is is uh, molecules and chemical composition, you can clone anything. You, you, can, would use a, you would use the matter recompiler. 
But but we're talking about living tissue, so it's definitely a different science. Well, there's yeast in beer. Yeah, but it's a different science. And I'm sure that they can clone yeast. It's very. It's got to be very easy. I mean, you can you can make another beer that tastes like that beer, but you you'd have to you'd have to do it with the original materials and the original recipe. Yeah. All right. I've sidetracked you enough to uh, tell you guys what we're drinking now. Uh, so from Tighthead Brewing Company, and um, I like this because it's from. Uh, it's local. It's from Mundelein, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. But the title is Scarlet Fire. It's a roasty red ale, and it's named after the Grateful Dead songs, uh, Scarlet Begonias and Fire on the Mountain. Um, and this band, like uh, another one of their beers, is called Chili Water, uh, which is a um, widespread panic song, so they uh, kind of fit in uh, my mode, I suppose. Uh, but anyways, it's a roasty red ale. Uh, Dave, how do you like it? I see that you've gotten through most of it by now. It's nearly gone. It's usually a good sign. Uh, it's a, it's a great beer. It has a really uh, like roasted nutty taste, and it's um, I've been getting to like red ales more and more just because I think I've had too many IPAs over the past two years. It's interesting you say that because <laughs> see, you just had a Bud Light and then this beer. I had that one's enough, and then this beer, and I feel like my taste buds were assaulted drinking the ones enough. You're like, I can't taste anything. Assaulted in a good way. <laughs> like I kind of like it, you know, masochistic. Anyways, now like the first few sips of this beer it was just kind of like, oh, it's not nearly as strong as the other beer. What's wrong? But no, it has its own complexity and flavors. Well, you'll you'll get it in a minute. <laughs> um, okay, so so back to the whole human cloning thing in 2005. The United Nations General Assembly put forth a declaration on human cloning, uh, which bans therapeutic cloning. That we talked about earlier is where cells are cloned for therapy of a disease or condition, uh, rather than reproductive cloning, where you're creating an actual genetic duplicate. 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 <laughs> Multiplicity. Uh, assuming that our friend David Rorvik, who's the guy that wrote that book I talked about earlier, was a fraud and didn't actually witness the first human cloning experiments back when Mork and Mindy was in an exciting new TV series. No one, <laughs> no one has yet to come forward with evidence of actual viable cloned humans being created. Right. Turns but, out Orphan Black is a documentary about David Rorvik's experiments. Uh, certainly possible. It would date back to the right time. <laughs> I mean, that's probably where people get these ideas is from actual right. fact. Of course. Uh, but we do know it's possible. Uh, so... Not only has there been experiments with frogs that we mentioned earlier in the 50s and sheep uh, that were successfully cloned in the 90s, but they've also cloned cats and cattle and deer and dogs and goats and horses, mics, pigs, rabbits, wolves. Basically, they can clone anything that is a mammal, uh, an insect, anything that has DNA that's a living organism can now be cloned without any issues. And we have also successfully, many, many times in many different labs, created human embryos. And we use them to study stem cells, etc. But they were never allowed to survive past the blastocyst stage, which is five to ten days after conception, because of ethical concerns. If you remember correctly, and I, I had a couple debates about this back when I was in junior high, because, uh, well, not me specifically, but our, our class would have like debates about subjects. And back then, uh, we were having, uh, we were doing experiments and things. Um, I don't know if it got to that point quite yet, but the point was, if we can experiment on embryos, at what point does that embryo become something that's a living human being that we should not be experimenting on because it's, um, it's a terrible thing to do. So, um, 
I don't know. That's a debate that's going to be a problem with scientists, with the public, with the Catholic Church and, and other religions. Um, everyone has a different opinion yeah. of, of when human life is actually human life. I find it interesting that there, there typically is a line somewhere. And uh, everyone's line is in a little different place. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting seeing where all those are. Right. Like, and it goes from one extreme to the other. Like the Catholic Church would say conception. Right. Um, and some scientists would say not until development of like the uh, of the higher brain functions. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we have the general public consensus that was allowed at this point, which was uh, not... Uh, after the fetus starts actually developing things that could be considered um, more than just a you know little tiny organism. Then just a bunch of cells dividing. Right. So once it starts to do things that are distinctly towards like the human, right? then you're like, well, I suppose it's you know going down that path. How about, how about this for a solution for you? When <laughs> we are able to compare the soulless clone to the soulful original and determine where the soul exists, soulful. then you can say that human life starts when the soul is developed. You can track that progress through <laughs> development of a fetus. Wouldn't that be interesting? And say, oh, today it's a real human. See, and your birthday will change. Tonight we have outlined the basis of my new novel. <laughs> Everyone will have soul days instead of birthdays. See, we gotta, we got to just keep going in this direction. We'll, we'll have it all created. All right, well, re-listen to this and take a lot of notes. <laughs> so it's scary, right? No, I don't think so. Taking the notes? Well, of course not. Taking Cl notes. Cloning, I, cloning a human? Cloning, no, it's exciting. <laughs> it's illegal. But that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't usually stop people from doing things anyway, and it never has in the past, so why should it now? You know, science marches on. So do you think that there are currently scientists experimenting in some capacity uh, or creating viable embryos that last beyond this blastocyst stage already? I'm sure that at some point some of them have done it uh, because there's always going to be people who break the rules or who just have to know what's going to happen. But I, I doubt that there's some sort of, you know, living, uh, cloned human being, you know, I, like I, a five-year-old running around that's a clone. I doubt it. Since we can currently do this, I see no reason why there wouldn't already be human clones somewhere. I just think it would be too hard. You. It's, it's so hard to do it. You would need so many people helping that we would have found out. But it's not that hard to do it. This is well, the whole point. It costs so much money to just clone a dog. But that's not that much money in, in the factor of things. Yes, but when you spend $100,000 on anything, there's several people involved. Look, it, it probably is not happening in the United States. But there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be happening in other countries that have well-developed science programs. Those that are already, in fact, doing things that are illegal. I still think that, you know, yes, of course we could do it, but it would be so hard to cover this up. And someone, it's so controversial that someone would have let it slip. Well, do you remember all the things that happened like in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s that nobody knew were going on and, and just were released back in the 90s or 2000s? I mean, science, scientists developing all of these crazy things. I don't think that like the CIA giving people LSD is on the same level as people secretly having cloned humans. No, think about constructing the atomic bomb, for example. That was a, a massive cover-up that no one knew was actually Well, there's happening. all kinds of secret weapons projects that have been happening since the dawn of time. Yeah, and it's not something that the public would endorse, nor is it something that would technically be legal according to the United Nations. So why would that stop us or any other country from doing these kinds of things right now and if we can do it 
then I think we've already done it. Because I think anything that we can currently do technologically has already been done, and we just don't know about it until a little bit later. Interesting. That said, we talk about all these different kinds of mammals, etc. Because we've been able to clone every single one of them, they actually are the exact same process. And at this point, you know, it's pretty easy for uh, an established lab that has done, you know, hundreds of these kind of things to move on to any other animal. And one of the last things I think that we can get out of this that might be a really cool thing, or it might screw up the entire world, is bringing back extinct species. So um, that's a possibility, but one that doesn't exist currently, because I don't think there's enough actual organic matter uh, that we can extract from things uh, that are already dead and have been for a long time. However, things that have only been gone for a short time, there may be enough. Or those species that are endangered, uh, we could bring back to life. In theory. But I'm not sure that that's a good idea. Well, in some areas, like, um, so in Yellowstone, there were no wolves for 60 years. So wolves were essentially out of the ecosystem there. They brought wolves back into the ecosystem, and suddenly it made things a lot better. So maybe it would be a good idea to bring back things that have only been gone for a very short period of time. Oh, sure. I'm not saying that it, it, it doesn't have that possibility, but it could also be something that happened naturally that we didn't think happened naturally, and you know, us bringing it back could screw up the balance of like an ecosystem. Sure, but you know what? I suspect if something was eliminated naturally that it would get eliminated again. <laughs> well, yeah, and if we bring back like dinosaurs, for example, then I'm sure someone will at least have the presence of mind to create some kind of electronic security program that asks for a password. Uh, before you're allowed to enter certain restricted areas, or it'll just eliminate us naturally. <laughs> <laughs> all mammal, all mammals will go back to being the size of like ferrets. Well, and I think this is a weird opinion to have, maybe, but I honestly think that that all of human life is just going to be a, a speck, and we'll be gone, and something else will replace us in you know, wow, five thousand years. Do you think that whatever replaces us will be as intelligent as we are? Uh, could or could not be doesn't really matter. These things happen over the course of of uh, millennia, and we are not equipped to handle that kind of time. I, you know, I think it's fun thinking in that kind of timeline. But it's impossible. It's I, not impossible. Of course it is. You have no perspective. I could, I can think about what's going to happen in a thousand years. Not really. Sure, I can. You Why can, can't I? You can think about it. Are you saying that? Uh, it's unlikely that whatever I think about is going to come true. Well, of course, but you only live to be 100 plus years if you're lucky. So the very concept of you being able to think in the perspective of millennia is, you know... Well, you're almost implying that it's almost pointless to have uh, long foresight. Well, you can't have long foresight. Of course you can. Okay. People a thousand years ago could have no concept of what's happening today. So we can have no concept of what's happening in a thousand years. They still created things that we use today. The Magna Carta, like the very first like modern uh, kind of you know Bill of Rights thing, was a thousand years ago. Well, if if we think about the way things have developed as far as like writing and technology and how exponential everything is, then that means that we either like blow up and and disintegrate and are just gone. Or we become, you know, like... We blow up across the cosmos. Or we become, like, uh, like all-powerful, you know. <laughs> well, we pretty much either are we're destroyed. already pretty all-powerful when it comes to the Earth. Well, but not ourselves. We, we would need ourselves to become 
uh, all powerful. Well, we've mastered the earth. Now we'll master our own selves. Right. That's the next step. Well, the idea for me, at least what I think, is we either destroy ourselves or become gods. That's how it works. I mean, we're pretty much gods until we destroy ourselves. <laughs> well, if we create human life, then that defies the very definition of, uh, you know, of... Um, we already have a very uh, sloppy way of combining uh, two different sets of genomes in a pretty reliable Well, and manner. technically we can create human embryos, so we can create human life. We just haven't seen it through publicly to uh, an actual human. Right, and they can, what they have done is, you know, taken uh, embryos from natural sources and implanted them in people, and those people grow up. But that's not, babies. But that's not creating anything. Right. That's right. taking the things that already You're exist. You're taking natural source material. And sort of, that's what we're still doing. So we're, we're technically still not creating a life, but we're, we're copying one. No, I see. I'm again now. When I ever bring that up, like you're not creating a life, you're copying it. It's different, and it sort of goes against the rules of nature almost. I think you're creating a copy. You are creating life. No, because and it just happens. Just so happens to be a copy because those things are already alive. Like the the, the DNA. Uh, One doesn't discredit the other. The DNA. You're basically practicing the same thing they did with the frogs. Although there are things that are are definitely compounded and added to that. But basically, you're just taking uh, some kind of DNA and inserting it into uh, something else and then having that thing tricking it into replicating itself at an early stage. So, I mean, you're not creating the process of life. You're not creating new life. You are creating uh, a facsimile of life. And... uh, you know, I certainly wonder if that facsimile will be similar to like cassette tapes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you need to know if you're making a copy that degrades or if you're making an exact copy. Was it in multiplicity? And I don't think that they know yet. Where like he kept making copies and they kept getting dumber. And when they made the copy of the copy, it was like, like super Rrr. dumb. Yeah, <laughs> that's certainly a, a possibility. I think that um, for our conversation, we were kind of assuming that the copies would be exact. However, well, they are, but there are still problems that come up because because right. we still don't know at like the submolecular level exactly what we're messing with. There's definitely things that we can't see and don't know. Right. So then I think we're not at the point where we're making perfect copies yet. No, which is which is why when you because start when you to take... create these, that's probably why like everything is being held off because because they know because the scientists know whether or not they've actually gone through on one of these, that they're not perfect. Right. And because we're higher life forms, and that's you know demonstrable, um, uh, it's going to be easy for people to tell that, that a clone is not the same as, as the person it was cloned from. And then if that was the case... The cloning Turing test. If that was the case, then it would be looked at as a lower form of life. The Cluring test. And that that could be a serious problem. For yeah, them. I don't think it's very fair, but I think you're right that most people would look at it that way. Well, it doesn't. Nothing's fair, man. You know. I know. <laughs> so, I don't know that we've decided anything, uh, but I think we both think that that this is uh, an eventuality, and that what when if you, the clone doesn't know it's a clone. Well, there's been movies about that too. <laughs> I mean, and TV series and all the rest. 
And and I think the point is, if you actually put this through uh, a regular experiment like you were talking about, then you will have out there in the world, behaving as a regular child, clones that are not regular children. You think they'll act differently? They'll, they'll, it'll just be so obvious that they're different? Not if we are making exact copies. Right. But since, since we can't see uh, indefinitely... We may be missing something. Sure. That's always a possibility. You know, we can only see as far as we can see, and that's going to be an issue. Uh, so, I guess we just wanted to impress upon everybody uh, the technology that already exists that we've kind of forgotten about since the 90s because the, the governments and uh, the scientists out there and everyone has just sort of swept it under the rug uh, as something that we're not going to deal with right now. <laughs> but it is still there it does still exist and and whether or not you subscribe to there being actual clones or you know uh, rich people living for a long time because of uh, of this therapeutic gene therapy or cloning you know it doesn't it doesn't matter because this technology exists it is there and we will be hearing about it in you know the next 10 years when some major development or breakthrough happens I can't wait you know, this is a pretty cool topic, and uh, I, I know I was following it when Dolly was born. You know, all that many years ago. Dolly Nash. But of course, like <laughs> like like you were saying, it just kind of faded to the background. You know, uh, it's one of those things where where it starts to get all silent, and you know, in a movie when it starts to get all silent, that something's about to happen. <laughs> Something big's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll have a follow up episode soon. Because something big's gonna happen. Well, I, I think a lot of the shows that we do, we could do a follow-up episode, you know, next year or the year after, just to. See well, my what's point was maybe on. something will happen in the next month that will warrant <laughs> something so big that it'll, it will warrant a follow-up. Jason says the the news of the first human clone will break in a month. I'm saying that if it does, we're <laughs> gonna have to do another show about cloning. Yes. Because it will have all changed. For sure. Well, thanks for listening tonight. And uh, as always, make sure to follow us on Facebook at Drink5Network, twitter.com slash Drink5. On Stitcher, you can subscribe to our podcast. If you use iTunes, we're there at Drink5Network as well. And Jason at Drink5 and David at Drink5 is where you can reach us. Drink5.com is our home. Uh, and next week, we will be coming at you with the Fantasy Football Show. So, if you have listened live tonight or you listened later, thank you very much, and uh, we wish you a good night. Cheers, Drink Dave. five, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>